I want to begin tonight by making this statement, and you're as aware of this statement as I am, but that when a person is ignorant or immature, you can convince them of almost anything. And whenever I say a person is ignorant, I'm not insulting their intelligence. I'm just saying they have a lack of awareness in a particular subject or in a particular field. And so, again, we understand this truth that where there is ignorance or where there is immaturity, you can convince them of anything. How many of us have ever played with the mind of a child? You ever done that? Just kind of had some fun with them and you were telling them things that were absolutely not true, but because they didn't know any better and they just kind of took you at face value, they just assumed that what you were telling them was true and then later you had to tell them, no, I'm just messing with you. That's not at all the way that it is. This actually is the truth. I know I've mentioned this before, but I'll just touch on it again. Uh, if you were trying to show me something related to mechanics, <clears throat> you could convince me of almost anything because I don't really know what I'm doing in the realm of mechanics. So if you called a particular part something that was not at all what it really was, I'm not going to know any better. So I would believe you if I trusted you. So the examples could go on, but where there is ignorance or where there is immaturity, you can convince a person of anything. So that said, I want to make another comment tonight that will seem unrelated, but it is equally true. We've all heard this statement as well, and that is, history repeats itself. History repeats itself. Now, there's no set timeline as to when the history has to repeat itself, but over the years, throughout the generations, we have seen this, so we know it to be true. It's not just a cliche. History does repeat itself. So all that in mind, I want us to begin tonight by looking at Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is where we're going to begin, and then we're going to turn to another portion of Scripture. But in Psalm 118, verse 8, we read this simple declaration of truth. The writer of the psalm says this in verse number 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, I want us to think about a truth contained in this statement, though not said explicitly, and that truth is this, is that we as human beings will put trust in something. Every one of us and every person that we come into contact with, we are going to put our trust or our confidence in someone or something. That is an unavoidable fact of life. It doesn't matter, again, who we are talking to, who we come into contact with. We are going to place our trust and confidence in someone or something. So the writer of this verse tells us it is better or it is superior or it is to our advantage as an individual to put our trust in the Lord and not in man. 
So we understand this. It's a very simple concept. It's a very simple thought that's being conveyed here. You've got the Lord Jehovah God on one side, and then you've got man on the other side. And since you're going to trust someone, or since you're going to trust something, the writer says, you know, you'd be a whole lot better off if you put your trust and your confidence in God and not in man. So all that in mind, I want us to turn now to the book of Exodus. And as we turn to the book of Exodus, I know that Psalm 118 would have been written after the portion of Scripture we're going to look at, but it does not change the eternal truth of the Word of God. So Exodus chapter 16 is where we're going to be tonight. And as you make your way there, let me give you just a little bit of context as to what has happened before this point in the Scripture. The people of Israel, the Jews, have been in bondage to the people of Egypt for 430 years. If you think about that timeline, that is truly amazing. Someone says, why is that amazing? It is amazing for this reason. Our nation is 244 years old this year. So you would have to have the entire age of our nation from the signing of the Declaration of Independence from that point to this day and then add an additional 186 years to our nation's history to equal the number of years that Israel spent in bondage to the people of Egypt. So here is Israel, and they have been in bondage for 430 years, as I and some of you, and I know many others have mentioned. There were generations after generations after generations of people who were born in this captivity, who died in this captivity, and who never knew anything of freedom of liberty, anything other than service to the nation of Egypt. As they served and as they labored, it was hard labor. It was difficult days. It was difficult times. There was nothing easy about the situation they had been in generation after generation after generation. So what happened? Well, the scripture tells us this that the people began to cry out to the Lord, and the Lord heard the cry of his people. So as a result of hearing their cry, this is what happened. God raised up Moses to be the leader of the people of Israel out of this bondage. But for any of us who know this story, here's what we know. Moses did not go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and Pharaoh say, oh, okay. I didn't realize they wanted to leave. Moses didn't go to Pharaoh and say, listen, I am have sent me and and it's time for you to let them go. And him say, well, I apologize. I didn't mean to, to overkeep them. No, that's not at all how it went. We know that Pharaoh said it's not happening. So what did God do through Moses? Well, he brought on the plagues to the people of Egypt, did he not? It started with the blood, or the water rather, turning into blood. There was the plague of the frogs. There was the plague of the lice. And and so many different plagues that came about 
it came to a point where the sorcerers came to, to Pharaoh and said this, listen, Pharaoh, this is of the Lord. We're not able to duplicate or replicate this. So even the people of Egypt, the, those in the inner circle of Pharaoh, tried to say to Pharaoh, hey, listen, this is the hand of God working on behalf of the Israelites or of the Hebrews. But it didn't sway Pharaoh and his position. Yes, he would say, okay, you can go. And then right before they would leave, he would, he would change his mind and he would keep them from leaving until the final plague came their way, which is when every family in Egypt had at least one person die when the eldest in the home was killed. Now, I'm going somewhere with all this, so to try to get our minds thinking in a particular direction. It was on that night that Pharaoh called Moses into his presence and said, get out, get out now. Their fear was, we're all going to die, that God's going to bring judgment on every one of us, and we'll all soon be dead. So that night, the children of Israel left, and they began this journey under the leadership of Moses and Aaron, and they were led by God as to the route they were supposed to take toward the land that had been promised. So as they're taking this route that God is leading them on, if you know the story, you know this, that God takes them to where they are now at the edge of the Red Sea. It's during this time that Pharaoh's had a change of mind and a change of heart, and he has said this basically to himself, why did we let these people go? He gathers up his army, and the idea is, is we're going to go out and we're going to recapture the people of Israel. We'll bring them back, and they'll serve us once more. And as Pharaoh approached with his armies, what did the children of Israel do? They began to gripe, and they began to murmur, and they began to complain, and they began to blame all of this on Moses. You've brought us out into the wilderness to die. So what did God do? God put the cloud between the people of Israel and the Egyptian army. The Red Sea parted throughout the night. The people of Israel were able to go through on dry ground. As the cloud lifted, the Egyptian army with the leadership of Pharaoh began to go through the banks of the Red Sea. And it was then that the waters collapsed and all the Egyptians by way of the army were killed, drowned in the Red Sea. The Israelites got to witness every bit of that. As a result of what they witnessed, spontaneously they broke out into celebration. They broke out into rejoicing. They broke out into singing. They couldn't help but rejoice in what God had done for them that day. So as you continue reading through the scripture, you come to Exodus chapter 16, and here's what we find. It says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. So I want us to see this. It says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin. 
I want us to think about this. Everyone who had made the exodus from Egypt to where they're at now, everyone who came out would have represented people in all different age groups. You had the young, you had the old, and you had everything in between. So as they have made it out to this place, this wilderness of sin, it says in verse number two that the whole congregation of Israel or the, of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And what does that mean? It just means this. They are upset again. Everyone's griping. Everyone's complaining. Everyone's murmuring. Everyone is upset They're upset at Moses, they're upset at Aaron, and it says in verse number three, and the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here's what they said in the last part of verse number three. Moses and Aaron, we have caught on to your strategy. We have caught on to your scheme. We have caught on to your your grand idea, Moses. Here's what you did. You brought us forth into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Now think about the ridiculousness of that statement. As if Moses had the authority or the ability to lead over a million, some guesstimate up to two million people from the land of Egypt out into the wilderness of sin. That's absurd. But it's not that that I want us to give attention to. You see this statement that is made by some ignorant, immature people. And what is the statement? It is this. Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. Now you know what they're saying? In Egypt, we at least had food provided. In Egypt, we had meat. In Egypt, we had bread. In Egypt, we had all of these things provided for us. All of this was made available. Sure, we didn't have freedom. Sure, we didn't have rights. Sure, we didn't have liberty. Sure, we didn't have potential. Sure, we didn't have any kind of a future. But at least under the government leadership of Egypt, we had food We had meat to eat. You know, life was kind of better, they're saying, amongst themselves, back when we lived in a land where the government took good care of us. So they were willing to sacrifice everything they now had available to them by way of freedom, by way of liberty, by way of potential, by way of a future. They were willing in their minds to sacrifice every bit of that so that they could eat in a land that deliberately and purposefully 
oppress them. Tonight, I want us to think about this truth. If you choose to argue this truth, I have no argument for you. We will have to agree to disagree and move on. But I want us to think about this truth. That over the last several years, there has been a dumbing down of the people of America. You cannot argue this if you have any measure of honesty about yourself. You cannot suggest that the quality of education you received 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago is anywhere near the quality of education that the average student is receiving today. And don't think for a moment it is accidental or unintended. Friends, there has been an intentional effort on the part of our leadership in this nation. Call me a conspiracy theorist if you like. I'm saying to you, there has been an intentional effort on the part of the leadership of our nation to make us a more ignorant people. You know why? Because when people are ignorant, you can convince them of anything. When a person doesn't know any better by way of history, when a person doesn't know any better by way of government, when a person doesn't know any better by way of economics, when a person doesn't know any better uh, about the basics of life, here's what you can do. You can truly convince them of anything. And so here's what happens is ignorance will then reproduce ignorance Ignorance will breed more ignorance, and, and here is what we are doing, and I know this is going to sound harsh, but we are living amongst an ignorant people, and it is only growing worse. And where there is no excuse for ignorance, we're also seeing this, a great lack of maturity in the minds of many people. A great lack of maturity and understanding in the minds of people. So again, where there is a lack of maturity and understanding, what can you do? You can convince them of anything. Now follow this, please. As a result of the ignorance that is now so prevalent in our lands, it is starting at the lowest of age levels all the way up through our universities as a result of this ignorance that is so present and prevalent in our land by way of the indoctrination of our government, you know what is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture? It's this idea that it would be better to trust man than to trust God. It is an absolute attack on the truth of the word of God that declares it is better to trust in God than to trust in man. But see, here is what our government is doing. Here is what our leadership is doing is it is conditioning us and it is, and it is priming the pump, so to speak, getting as many people to come to this conclusion. No, what would be better is this, is to place our trust and our confidence in who the government, because they must 
must know better than everyone else. If you don't believe it, ask yourself who paid for your kids 25 or 30 years ago. You did. Yeah, 25, 30 years ago, here's what happened. You had insurance or you paid for your child. You never expected that the government would step in and pay for your kids. But how are young people geared and, and fashioned to think today? Well, you know, hey, if I'm a young person and I can't afford to have a child, hey, well, you know, it, it's got to be the government's responsibility, so, so I'll just let the government pay for it somehow. Am I telling us the truth? You know, now that we've got this child or couple of children or this multiplied number of kids, we can get on food stamps. We can get on WIC. We can apply for this. We can apply for that. We can do this. We can do that. And government will just keep giving us money. What is this? It's a dependency on the government. In ignorance and in immaturity, what do people say? Well, the government has to provide me an education or our kids an education. And it has to go not just from the, the preschool age all the way through high school. It now has to be through college. And if you went to college and you accumulated a lot of debt, well, that you can't be held responsible for that anymore. So, so what are politicians saying? Well, we'll just forgive the debt. No, all that means is, is we want to push that off onto someone else. But what are people excited about in immaturity and ignorance? They're excited. Hey, my debt and my irresponsibility could be forgiven by who? This, this great government who will take care of me. Ignorance and immaturity has got us there. And where does government want to have control of us? All the way to the grave. From the cradle to the grave... The government wants control of every aspect of our lives. And because they have dumbed us down so much as a nation, we've got people who would rather give up their freedoms, who would rather give up their potential, who would rather give up their future, who would rather give up their hopes and their dreams to a government because at least I'll be able to eat while I do it. I may have to sacrifice 70% of my paycheck, but at least everything will be given to me. And, and I'm telling you, you know this as well as I do, this idea of socialism is no longer some fringe ideology out there. It is something that is becoming more and more and more mainstream. And if we think it's going away, we're crazy. Somebody says, Brother Kyle, are you against these social programs? I am, in large part. Somebody says, did you ever take advantage of those programs? In ignorance and immaturity, I did. While Susie was on bed rest, and I know I've shared this story before, but I had to go to the store to pick up our WIC-approved items. They were having issues 
with getting the forms approved, but I had to eventually sign the form with an ink pen that cost me $200. And I said to myself in that moment, I just signed a government assistance form with a $200 pen. Something is wrong with this picture. And I went home and I told Susie, we're not taking advantage of it again. I'm saying, I know what it's like to be guilty of it. And just because I was guilty in the past doesn't mean I have to promote it today. It is better to trust in God. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. But that is not what we're hearing today. So this truth is under attack as to where I should place my trust, as to where I should place my confidence. And it's under attack in the lives of our kids, our grandkids, or what will become our grandkids. And to go back from what was stated weeks and weeks ago, friends, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, something that we've got to do is instill in our young people or immature older people that our confidence can never be solely put in the hands of man. I understand that there is a place for government. I understand that there is a place for leadership and elected officials. I'm not against every one of them, but what I am saying is this. This mentality that is being so, so promoted and pushed in our culture to where we are constantly surrendering things to, to government, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So when we hear some ignorant kid or immature person talking about all the great benefits of socialism, we don't need to be scared to step up and say something. When you hear somebody talking about how great it would be for the government to do this and the government to add this and the government to, to, to supply this, it's okay for us to step up and say, listen, young person, listen, immature individual, you don't know what you're talking about apparently. Because that mentality that is out there is creeping into the church. It's a little bit further behind, but I promise you it's creeping into the church where we'll let man and we'll let government take care of us from day one to the last day. And friends, there's nothing scriptural about that attitude whatsoever.